Thank you for tuning into the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. We are in our series, Allow Me to Introduce Myself. And during our time together, we are looking at how Jesus is introducing himself to the world and to us through the Gospel of John. A couple of weeks ago, we saw Jesus introduce himself as the way, the truth, and the life. And today, we're going to look at how he introduces himself in John chapter 10. So let's get ready for the Good Shepherd. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for another opportunity to be together in your presence and in your word. And God, we recognize at this moment that even though we're not together in the same building, that that doesn't limit who you are. It doesn't limit your presence. It doesn't limit your effectiveness. And so, God, we pray that this morning as we look at your word, that it would sink deep down into who we are, that it would challenge us, it would change us, that, God, your presence in this place, wherever we are, would help us to become who you've created us to be. So God, we thank you for our time together. We pray that we would be different because we spent time in your presence and in your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I wasn't a real big fan of junior high. Um, When I went to school, it was seventh and eighth graders in one building and Right now, I'm probably the height that I was in junior high. I probably was a little bit shorter, but I was way skinnier. I was always one of the smaller kids. In my seventh grade year, something happened that had never happened to me ever in school. I got picked on for quite a bit of seventh grade. And I can't really explain to you how that feels. There were moments where I felt all alone where the eighth grader who was bullying me made me feel like I was nothing and no one. Wasn't a real person. I was just the object of his aggression. I felt so vulnerable. I didn't feel like I had a way out. I I knew that if I spoke up and said something to my parents, I, I knew what my dad would tell me to do. And for some reason, man, I just, I didn't have the courage to do that. I didn't have the courage to stand up for myself, and so for a while, man, day in, day out, I took the bullying. And I remember one day I was at my locker, and I was just trying to pretend that nothing was happening. The guy comes in next to me, and he starts flicking me in the side of my head and in my ear, and I just think that, man, if I pretend that this isn't happening, maybe he'll lose interest and stop didn't really work that way. But that day, a friend of mine was coming to walk with me to class. And the minute that he saw what was going on, before I knew it, he had shoved this guy out of the way and he stood in between me and him. And he told him that he needed to stop all that. And I stood frozen, amazed at my friend that he would have the courage to stand up for me when I didn't have the strength to stand up for myself. That when I wanted to speak up, when I wanted to take a stand, I couldn't, but he did that for me. And I think that we all hope that we have friends around us that do that. Friends that will show up when times are hard, when we feel alone, when we feel lost, when we feel confused, that will show up and be present in those moments. I'm here to tell you this morning, we do have someone like that. 
He'll show up. When life is at its hardest moments, he shows up and he gets in the middle of all of our mess. We turn with me to John chapter 10. Jesus has had an incredibly crazy day as we get there. In John chapter 9, the Pharisees are on full attack mode. They have called him names. They have said that he was possessed by demons. At one point, they pick up stones to kill Jesus. That's how intense their relationship was. That's how threatened they were by him. That's how jealous they were of him. And in John chapter 9, Jesus heals a man born blind. And instead of celebrating this incredible miracle, the Pharisees begin to interrogate the family and the man that experienced this miracle. They didn't want anyone following Jesus. They didn't want his fame to grow anymore, so they threatened everyone. If you believe in Jesus, if you begin to profess your faith in him, they were going to kick you out of the synagogue. Now, that it's different right now. Like You can get put out of the church and just go to another church, but what they were saying is they were going to excommunicate you from the religious system at the time. Your connection with God would no longer exist. So this wasn't just a threat that you can't come inside this building. This was a threat that you would be disconnected from God. So they bring the family in, and they're afraid. So they don't really say anything. They said, man, ask the guy. He's, he's a grown-up. He can speak for himself. And when they bring this man in, they begin to question him over and over. Who did this? How was it done? And as he said, man, I don't know. This guy named Jesus, he did this. He, he put mud on my eyes. He told me to wash. And and they begin to say, well, we know that this guy is not from God. He's a sinner. We know all of these bad things. They start listing all these things. They're hoping that he jumps on the bandwagon. And this guy says, well, I, I don't know. Could a sinner do such great things? He's got to be from God. And they said, no, not at all. And he said, look, all I know is this. These miracles are extraordinary. I, I was blind, and now I see and man, they were so upset that this guy was beginning to believe in Jesus, beginning to believe that he could be sent from God. They got so upset that they began to insult this man and they throw him out of the synagogue. They excommunicate him right at that moment. When Jesus finds out that they put him out of the synagogue, he is livid. See, the priests were supposed to take care of people, to nurture people, to connect them with God. But instead, Jesus finds them abusing people, bullying people, and exploiting them. He tells them, you think that you know God? You think that you can even see God? You can't. You're spiritually blind. You think that you're shepherds and you're taking care of people? You're not the true shepherds. You're thieves and you're robbers. You're the people who come over the wall to steal sheep, to take them away, to get what you can from them. You don't care about them. You don't love them. And all of his words begin to sound more and more like the same things that Ezekiel prophesied in chapter 34. And then Jesus says this in verse 9 of chapter 10. He says, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pastures. And the thieves' purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. I want to stop for a moment because if you're like me, you would read those few verses and you would think, okay, Jesus, you, you're introducing yourself as a gate or a door and a shepherd. 
I need you to pick one of those. Like, I can't handle you saying that you're two different things. Jesus, which one is it? Are you the gate or are you the shepherd? And the answer to that is, yeah, he is. He's both. He's the good shepherd and he is the gate. You see, we don't get this because we didn't live during those times. But the sheep pen would have been made of a wall around it to keep the sheep in. And that wall would have probably been made of stone and it would have been three, maybe four feet high. But there would have been an opening for the sheep to go in and come out. And at night, the shepherd would lay across the gate. He was the gate. He was the door, making sure no predators got in and making sure no sheep wandered away. So Jesus isn't confusing anyone. He's actually clarifying exactly who he is. He is the good shepherd. And part of being a good shepherd is laying down and being that gate, making sure nothing comes in and nothing goes out. Let's continue on. It says, a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. So the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's, only, he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know my father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold and I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Jesus introduces himself as the good shepherd because throughout their history, these people knew that when shepherds and sheep were talked about, they knew who was who. They knew that as a people, they were the sheep and their leaders, their kings, their priests, the Messiah was talked about as a shepherd. And so there was always this picture of someone watching over them, this shepherd looking after the sheep. And Jesus is claiming to be that shepherd. He is claiming to be the Messiah that is coming for them, the one that they have been waiting for and hoping for and longing for and wishing and praying that he would show up. Jesus is saying, I'm here. The great shepherd that Ezekiel talked about after he says people have been abusing you or supposed to be shepherds, Ezekiel says that God himself will be the shepherd, that he will come and gather his sheep and tend to them and take care of them. And we see those words that he wrote about and the words that David wrote in Psalm 23 so poetically, so incredibly about the Lord being the shepherd. We find them not only just words on a piece of paper, but it's a person standing in front of them right now. Jesus is saying, you've read about me, you've looked for me, you've hoped for me, but here I am right here standing in front of you. And he wasn't saying it just to make a dramatic point. He's saying it to offer hope, to show them that he's willing to wade into their world, into our world, in the middle of all that's going on, our confusion, our struggles, and stand in the middle of all of this and stand up for us and to offer us direction. You know, I told you a couple of weeks ago, man, I hate being lost. There's nothing like that feeling of being lost for me. It's overwhelming. And that feeling tends to go away when I know I have a guide. You know, some years back, we went to Israel and we had a guide that led us through all of the places that we went to. 
And it wasn't just that she knew where we were going and what we were doing, but there were things on our way there that she would point out. If you look over here, this is found in Deuteronomy chapter 7. And if you look over here, this is what Paul was talking about. On and on, as we were moving through, this guide was pointing out areas and bringing things to life that we would have passed over and not thought anything about. And it's the same thing Jesus is saying, I want to be your direction. There are things that you're missing out in life that I want to show you. I want to point out to you. You see, when I follow his direction, there are benefits that come with that. There's a confidence in knowing that he knows exactly where we're going and how to get there. There's a peace that I get now knowing that I don't have to be in control. I don't have to have everything figured out. I can allow him to lead and simply follow his direction. There's rest in letting him lead and letting him guide. He says, man, I'm I'm the door. He gives us a way out. He's the way out of our sin, of our shame, of our disappointment. And he is the way into a new life and a new home. Because when we walk through his gate, we walk into his family. He doesn't want you. He doesn't want me wandering around aimlessly anymore. He doesn't want us wondering if there's anything more to life. He doesn't want us to wonder anymore if someone loves us, if there's purpose, if there's more than what's happening right now. He wants you to know that you don't have to feel rejected. That's why I believe he took this opportunity to stand up for this man who was formerly blind, that other people had pushed out and pushed away, that he stands up for him just like he stands up for you and for me. You see, other people may have shut you out. You may have been put out from families and from friendships and even churches But Jesus is opening his door and opening his heart and opening his arms to let you in. You are important to him. You are valuable to him. And through him is where you will finally find all that you've been looking for. All that you have been hoping that life could feel like, it's through him. He is there because his direction leads us to pasture. It leads us to a place where we can feel restored where our souls can feel like they can be whole again. He leads us to a place that satisfies our thirst and it fills our lives like everything we hoped it would ever feel like. And each day, each day he wants to do that. doesn't matter where, you're, where you are right now, he can reroute you. He can give you the direction that you need to walk through the door, to follow him into life. He wants to feed you every day. He wants you to know what it feels like to have a shepherd looking out for you, that's walking with you. You can be confident that as you go, he's with you. He wants you to know what it feels like to just be a sheep, to be led, to have someone guide you, to have someone provide for you. And as he's giving you the direction, he's also offering his protection. He says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And he's not just saying that he's planning on dying for the sheep. I I think that that's how I always pictured it, that I will lay down my life for the sheep. And I'm just telling you this is how my brain works sometimes. I just picture Jesus kind of like just laying down on the ground and dying. But that's not all that he is saying. 
He is saying he's willing to die, but he's also saying he's willing to put his life on the line for you, to keep you safe, to keep you protected, to give you life. Remember, the shepherd would lay himself in front of that opening, in front of that gate, so that predators couldn't get in and so that we couldn't get out. He's offering protection from those things outside and the things inside. His protection offers shelter. It offers offers security for us. You see, when he leads you out of the sheep pen, you can have confidence to know that he's went ahead. He scouted out the land. He knows exactly where he's taken you. He knows the pitfalls. He's cleared some things out. He's ran off the predators. Even before you get there, you can have confidence knowing that he went before you. And you can have confidence knowing that no matter where the road takes you, he is walking with you, offering his protection, that even in the darkest moments of your life, even when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to be afraid because he's with us. And when you've been hurt, his protection offers you shelter so that you can rest and be made whole again. It offers healing. It gives you time where you can find a safe place to heal from the wounds that you've had before, times that you can rest from the anxiousness, from the stress, from all that you've been doing on your own. His protection gives us that opportunity. Other times, his protection is to keep us from hurting ourselves. See, we all have this tendency to wander. We have a tendency to look around and follow our desires, sometimes thinking like it's better over there. We don't really ever think about the desire is actually leading us into danger. But more often times than not, that's exactly what happens. And so God tries to protect us from ourselves at times. That's why some of our friends call us at just the right moment. Right as we're getting ready to walk out the door to make a decision that's going to pull us further away from God and further closer to danger. That's when they keep calling, when you ignore that first call. or When you don't answer the text, they begin to blow your phone up. That's why you have friends that won't let you go. They will show up at your door. If you try to hide from them, if you try to just kind of move through life without answering up to them or answering their calls or seeing what's going on, they're not going to let you go. Not because they're trying to be a bad friend. They're actually being a great friend and because that's part of God's protection for you. They're not just going to let you go. God isn't just going to let you wander without trying to hold on to you, without trying to keep you from hurting yourselves. That's why your friends remind you you've done this before. You don't want this anymore. Remember the last time. Remember the pain that it caused you when you walked out that door. That's God's protection, trying to keep you from harming yourselves. Not only does his protection work so that we don't hurt ourselves, but when protect or when protectors, when predators and thieves show up, he's not just standing next to you. He moves and he stands in front of you. He lets them know that we're his. You can't get to them without coming to me. He takes a stand against those that would try to hurt you, circumstances that would try to crush you. He stands in between and says, in order for you to touch mine, we got to go to war. 
And he stands up for us and he puts himself in between us. I picture what David said that at times there would be a lion or a bear come and take a sheep and he would chase after it and he would fight and he would grab and he would kill the enemy so that he could bring that lamb home, so that he could bring that sheep home. And that's exactly what God does. He's willing to fight for you. He's willing to stand up for you. He's willing to go toe to toe with whoever stands in front of him because he's got weapons and he's not afraid to use them. You mean that much to him. He's willing to fight for you and protect you. He's fighting so that we can be free of sin. He'll fight sin and he's won that battle so that you and I can be free from bondage. Giants of fear and anxiety and stress all fall so that you and I can live in victory. He's defeated death so that we can enjoy life. He fights for us. He protects us. He directs us not because he has to, because he wants to because he's also offering his affection. He does all of this, fighting for us, saying that he'll lay down his life for us. He'll give everything he has for us because he loves us, each and every one of us. It says the thief comes to take the life of the sheep, but the shepherd comes to give life to the sheep because of his love because of his affection for us. He's committed to caring for us. He's committed to watching over us. I love that he says, I know my sheep and they know me. See, sometimes I think that Jesus loves the best version of me. But can I tell you, that's not the truth at all. He knows every single detail about you. He knows every detail about me and he loves me. And he loves you. He knows when you're in bad moods. He knows the attitudes, your moodiness. He knows your flaws. He knows the fears that you have. He knows the doubts that linger inside of you about maybe even who he is or who you're supposed to be. He knows all about that. And he also knows what your smile looks like. He also knows your laugh and he can pick you out of a crowd by name because that's how much he loves you. He gets you. He doesn't just know your nature, but he knows your needs and he wants to meet them. He wants to do something about them because when he looks at you, he sees beauty. He sees his child and he hopes, he longs that he can pick you up and bring, him in, bring you in close to him so that you can feel the affection that he has for you. So that you can know that he'll be there when life is easy and when it's hard. He's the good shepherd. Nothing's going to scare him away from you. He's not the hired hand that when threatened, the hired hand runs away. He says, no, nah, I'm the shepherd. There's not a moment that I haven't loved you. There's not a single thing that you could do that can make me stop loving you. There's not a day in your life that I haven't been hoping that you would choose me, that you would trust me with your life so that I can give you mine because the good shepherd gave his life to give us life. And I love how Jesus says this, that we can have life to the full because he has life to give. Tomorrow, he's got more life to give. A year from now, there's more life to give. He's never gonna run out. There's a surplus of who he is that he's willing to give to you and to me, and it will fill you. It will satisfy you like nothing else you've ever experienced will. And he ends this by saying, the good shepherd has more sheep. In Jesus' day, the people of Israel thought that they were the people 
that God was coming to rescue. And Jesus says, that's true, but it's not just for you. There's more sheep. I'm here for the whole world. I'm not just here. I'm not just the gate. I'm not just the good shepherd for one people, but for all people. Jesus is hoping that every single person on this planet will walk through the door, will walk through the gate into his arms, into his family to find new life. He wants to heal the broken. He wants to mend the wounded. He wants to gather those who have been scattered by life by hurt and by pain, they've been running, hoping to be free from it. He wants to bring them and gather them in. And his heart is always about finding those who are lost. That's who he is. He is the good shepherd. Listen to his heart for you this morning. Psalms 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. And even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. This morning, he's willing to jump right in the middle of where you're at, to jump right into your life, into your circumstances, into all that's going on, to offer you hope through him. Because if he said that he's there and you have all that you need, what do you need from him this morning? Do you need peace? He can give you that. Do you need direction to a new life? He can give you that. Do you need to feel safe? Do you need to feel comforted? Do you need to feel secure that someone's looking out and looking over you? He can give you his protection. Maybe today you just need his love. You need to feel less like an outcast and more like a son, more like a daughter. He will give you that this morning. You just have to walk through the door. You have to let him in. This morning, if you need a relationship with him or you need to reconnect with him, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And if you pray this, Jesus will meet you today. Say, Jesus, I need you. I need the life that you give. Thank you for dying for my sins. And thank you for giving me life, the life that only you can give. Jesus, help me to think differently. God, change my heart. Help me each day to have courage to choose you, to follow you for the rest of my life. I give you everything that I have in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that you would remind us today, tomorrow, the days that we need it, that you are the good shepherd, that you have everything in hand, that Lord, we don't have to control everything. We can simply be your sheep. We can trust that you know what's best that you'll give us direction, that you'll give us protection, that your affection 
lets us know that we are loved and cared for beyond what we could imagine. But I pray that you would seal your words in our heart, that it would change us. God, thank you for coming. Thank you for introducing yourself as the shepherd, the good shepherd that wants to give us life. Help us to live that life every day so that the people around us can see that life and want to know you because of what you've done in our lives. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for this time that we've gotten to spend together in your presence and in your word. So continue to lead us and guide us and love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Our prayer is that this message impacted you. We would love to hear your story and have you partner with us financially as we work to spread the life-changing story of Jesus. You can do this at newvisiongrandview.com.